The Argument. This first book proposes, first in brief, the whole subject, man's disobedience, and the loss thereupon of paradise wherein he was placed. Then touches the prime cause of his fall, the serpent, or rather Satan in the serpent, who, revolting from God and drawing to his side many legions of angels, was by the command of God driven out of heaven with all his crew into the great deep. Which action passed over, the poem hastes into the midst of things, presenting Satan with his angels now fallen into hell, described here not in the center, for heaven and earth may be supposed as yet not made, certainly not yet accursed, but in a place of utter darkness, fitliest called chaos. Here, Satan and his angels, lying on the burning lake, thunderstruck and astonished, after a certain space recovers, as from confusion, calls up him who next in order and dignity lay by him. They confer of their miserable fall. Satan awakens all his legions, who lay till then in the same manner confounded. They rise, their numbers, array of battle, their chief leaders named, according to the idols known afterwards in Canaan and the countries adjoining. To these, Satan directs his speech, comforts them with the hope yet of regaining heaven, but tells them lastly of a new world and a new kind of creature to be created, according to an ancient prophecy or report in heaven, or that angels were long before this visible creation, was the opinion of many ancient fathers. To find out the truth of this prophecy, and what to determine thereon, he refers to a full council. What his associates then attempt. Pandemonium, the palace of Satan, rises, suddenly built out of the deep, the infernal peers there sit in council. This is Dark and Stormy Nights, the podcast where we read the first page, and only the first page, of every novel ever written. I'm your host, Ben Blackberg. And I'm your other host, Ben LeBate. And tonight we're reading the first page of Paradise Lost by John Milton first published in 1667. And our guest tonight uh, is Rachel Jones. Hi, Rachel. Hi, everyone. Hi. So, of course, the first thing we have to talk about is whether we believe in heaven and uh, (laughs) all of our religious upbringings. Um, Right, right. uh, No, Uh, sorry. Uh, Have you guys read this book? Uh, I, I believe I did way back in like undergrad college years. Um, I have some vague memories of it, but it's been a very long time. I took a whole semester long class, so I have read most of it. Um, I just for everyone's reference, when I put this on the list, I had forgotten that it starts with the argument. So I had assumed we were going to be jumping into the poetry, you know, of man's first disobedience, the fruit of that, et cetera, et cetera. But actually, we've got a whole page of extremely stilted prose. Yes! Uh, Vin, out of curiosity, mm-hmm. uh, what was the name of this course, or this class that you took? Um, I'm going to guess it was probably just Paradise Lost. Okay. Um, I also read, I think, I think I read this uh, in a class called Three Long Narrative Poems. Um, it was originally called Four Long Narrative Poems, and then we, <laughs> we, just, we just ran out of time, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was this, The Fairy Queen, uh, and Inferno. Oh, wow. Yikes, in one semester? Uh, and this was, and so 
So when I, when I, when I read this page, I make like a few notes about things to talk about. Uh, and mm. I just have one story to tell about this teacher who was legendarily mean, uh, um, in our, uh, school, our uh, college, uh, this was, and, um, uh, I wrote a paper on the fairy queen mm. and his marginal comment for one of my observations was simply nonsense. <gasps> and I've, I've always aspired to like that level of concision, just like, just to say nonsense about something would, <laughs> I feel be, I mean, these podcasts would be, would be a lot shorter if I could sum up things that quickly, I think, but, uh, to English but yeah. major deep cut. <laughs> yeah. Interesting in contrast to Milton here, who is not concise about anything. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, had we jumped to the first page of poetry, I do not think he completes a sentence on the first page. Yeah. I wonder if he ever anticipated like anyone performing this aloud when he wrote it. Mm, it's Milton, so maybe yes. Oh gosh. Although that that does remind me, Ben, that actually I have had this in two classes because I think I also had a section of it from that same professor because that was where um, that was where we learned uh, to use a phrase: "Angels get total penetration," <laughs> oh. which is an important fact that we learn in Paradise Lost. <laughs> Yes, I uh, I was not in that class, but I, I had heard I heard that phrase many times uh, mm-hmm. in the cafeteria. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to need uh, some context. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so the, oh. Take me there. I'm excited. <laughs> so there's a passage later I want to say is in like book nine where Milton gets into a lot of just like the day to days of angelic life and gets into their, you know, sexual habits oh. and angels because they don't have mortal bodies or beings of like pure energy so sexually they don't they they pass wholly into each other oh as one does it kind of mm-hmm. yeah it tracks yeah <laughs> or in in the words of a certain professor angels get total penetration <laughs> hashtag <laughs> so uh so, sorry Ra- Rachel what crazy class uh, did you read this in? And what crazy thing did uh, your professor say? Uh, or oh gosh! Write, write on your your papers. I I I don't remember. I, I honestly I'm searching. I you know I may have read this for pleasure, which is a really <laughs> embarrassing thing to confess now that I'm thinking about it. I, but I feel like that maybe back in when I was like you know 18 or 19, it probably seemed really important to read this for like because smart people read books like this. Mm. And so I don't, I'm not actually sure if I made it to the end, but I did read part of it. Um, but, uh, that said and unrelated stuff, I did have this, um, very, um, notable professor whose name, I don't know if I can say his name on here. Uh, but he was, um, the professor of Southern literature at, um, my university there in Georgia. Mm. And he was known for being like, I guess the the hard ass who would tear apart everyone's papers. And he gave me an A. I just want you to know (laughs) total suck up here. Um, it's probably the one time I remember being just super proud of myself and super smart um, back um, in college. So uh, he thought highly of me. He also had a little tiny piano that he'd pull out and like um, he'd bring it to uh, class every day in this case. Um, and you wouldn't know it was in the case for weeks at a time because the case would just show up with him and sit there on his desk. And then usually about three weeks into class, he would one day open up the case and start playing this little like teeny tiny piano inside of it just out of the blue. And he'd close it back up and he would leave and... 
it'd be very strange. So you take I, a class with Tom Lehrer. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of aspire to that level of weirdness. I kind of feel like that if you work in education at any level that you get to just do inexplicable things and build your mm-hmm. own, um, your own legend. And I think that man had it going. So, yeah. <laughs> was, was he playing while a student was talking or, uh, usually it would be, yeah, at the end of class or like, um, you know, and it would just be kind of like, like a non sequitur, hmm. but no, it would never be while someone was talking or while he was lecturing. It would just be kind of, it would just sort of happen like as a transition, like almost like the, the theme music at the end of the episode. <laughs> it was very strange. <laughs> oh, I do. I do like the idea of just like a professor, uh, I don't know, like just launching into, I don't know, closing time at the end of every class or... <laughs> Like, like playing like, people out like it's the Oscars, yeah. like your time is up. Yeah. <laughs> like you're like you're you're talking, trying to get your point, and then it's like the music starts to rise and you're like you're trying to get it in. Uh and that's why that's why uh, uh, angels get total penetration. Uh, yeah. I just have to say thank you, thank you to my mom. Uh like good night. You're like, okay. Like you 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 get credit for participation today. Um, <laughs> like you got you got yeah. Um if I had musical talent. I mean, I've been learning teaching myself ukulele this year as one of my quarantine things. Um, with the idea. So in my day job, I actually do work at a school Mm -hmm. and I had been promising my students all year that by the time that we were back in person, that I would be able to play something on the ukulele for them. And I haven't gotten that far yet because I found out it's actually really hard to like play and sing at the same time, which is Mm -hmm. no one ever told me before (laughs) that being two separate talents. Mm. Yeah. One of the unfair secrets of the music world. Terrible. Yeah. They make it look so easy. Yeah. My professor did not sing while he played the piano. So hmm. just, I feel like that we should all know that. Is it a piano? I don't really know what, what the little tiny, it was not electronic. It was like a little, hmm. yeah. Anyway. Huh. I, I, I was going to ask, I, uh, at some point I was just picturing a Casio, uh, but uh, I can't decide it was what not, would be better. No. Just like, like a completely, like. <laughs> Like, what, what would be the best instrument for the professor to bring out at the end of class to just like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to like, like, I guess, uh, like a zither is always kind of fun or <laughs> like, like it should be like, well, I guess that's the question. Should it be something very ordinary? Like they just took out like a violin or a harmonica and started playing like, mm. like train yard tunes on the harmonica, you know, like, it's like, I don't know, or, or, or I guess, or, or, or prison songs. Uh, or should it be like, like an Indonesian gamelong where like you need like several people to play? Uh, well, the, the mystique would definitely be carrying around in the case for the three weeks beforehand as everyone speculates what's in the case. Cause that was part of the whole. So, um, if you're carrying on something large, you gotta make sure you disguise it properly. I think that it, that could be even more. I mean, I would probably wonder like in the case of the zither, like does this is this man carrying around like um like a Tommy gun or something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like if you have like you a know. cello case, that's clearly yeah. just a cello. <laughs> exactly, you're just, you know, you're just like wheeling in a harp. You're like, yeah. okay, I get this, <laughs> professor. <laughs> but you could bring in a theremin, and no one would know what what it was, even in, like right as you started using it. Ooh, that would be legendary. Yeah, yeah I vote theremin. Oh. Yeah, then uh, oh. what's going to be your crazy professor instrument? Have you just picked one yet? Is it going to be theremin? Oof. Hmm. Yeah, let's go with that. Because mm. um, uh, I don't know how to play anything, and I feel like the theremin is the thing that you play just by moving your hands around, and at least it makes a sound. <laughs> ah. Although, uh, speaking of performance, uh, 
Uh, earlier, the question came up of like whether Milton would have uh, expected any of this to be read out loud. Uh, and I vaguely recall uh, at some point in his life, he went blind. Yeah. Uh, before writing this, I believe. Uh, and his. This was dictated, I think. Or wives. His daughters. Or, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Would, yeah. So, so like, uh, at least on some level, this was first performed uh, yeah. to be written mm-hmm. down, uh, which is. Uh, I, I have also uh, been known to occasionally stand up on a chair and uh, perform uh, <laughs> Satan's uh, "Awake, Arise" or "Be Forever Fallen" speech. Mm. So there's definitely there's definitely performable parts uh, in here, uh, and that I guess would also be how I would end yeah. every class. I would just get up on a chair and. <laughs> and, and, uh, and to be fair, like if you're performing this the way it's meant to be performed, which is by supernatural beings, you don't have lungs, and therefore. You can achieve full penetration, if you will, metaphorically, <laughs> with the text, and you can just speak it all without taking a breath. <laughs> yeah, that is, that I mean, uh, as I have started to read certain first pages out loud for this podcast, becoming more familiar with my breath and where it ends uh, has been an interesting process. I will say that. So mm. I guess that's that's one thing the angels have over us. Uh, but according to Paradise Lost, like, they don't have a lot else, right? Like, we're, <laughs> we're special. Anyway. Um, the other thing, actually, about this first page. Well, mm-hmm. should we get into the first sentence? Ugh. Let's do it. Oh, do you want to talk about the cover, by the way? Because I, I do have one comment on the cover. Uh, is, it, is it about the bird? It's about the parrot, yes. Like, you know, the, the famous parrot from the Garden of Eden story that we all know and love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... That, that that was my like you're like okay like this is kind of a standard i i I don't know uh who the painter is but like this is a standard like eve uh with a tree and a serpent sort of in an idyllic scene uh and there's just a a scarlet (laughs) macaw i guess uh maybe like and i do love i do love those little like the, the little side pieces in in you know, uh, especially like Renaissance paintings. Yeah. Uh, where it's just like, it's like, well, here's like Jesus at the center. And like back in the crowd scene is like the painter and the patron, you know, and then there's like, there's like some guy over here, like taking a poop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. Like, I have to wonder if this, if this bird is like a very specific statement made that only makes sense in the context of like, you know, 17th century Dutch religious painting. <laughs> or wherever this is from yeah. or like there's a certain like language of symbology where this is something very specific i, I was gonna say like the language of birds you know like <laughs> like the, the the language of flowers uh ah. you know yeah rosemary for remembrance and uh macaws for regret <laughs> um yeah it, it's so prominent in the composition is kind of what startles me about it yeah because the, the more i looked at it the more it kind of troubled me it's like it i felt like that the parrot seems to have equal weight as Eve and the serpent and the tree. And the, like the, the placement of it as like on the opposite side of Eve as the serpent has sort of like a, like a devil and angel sort of thing going on, you know, (laughs) like like, eat the fruit, like don't eat the fruit, you know, you could (laughs) kind of imagine that. But, uh, yeah. I mean, the other thing I, uh, I, I of course want is like stories from other animals, uh, in Eden, you know, like a, like I was there too, you know. I mean, I, I love the idea of the parrot following her around and just repeating things that everyone else has said to her. 
maybe either for good or for evil or for both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's an equal opportunity parrot who's going to just parrot Satan's lines and, you know, also the commandments. And that would be great. I think that would be an interesting consequence yeah. of maybe having created the parrot and God's all like, uh, what did I do? Yeah. It's like another, <laughs> another creation mistake. Like, can we, can we roll this back? <laughs> yeah, totally. You know? uh, I have found another depiction of Adam and Eve in the garden that has a parrot. What? Apparently this is a thing that was done more than once. On purpose. Uh, yeah, this is, this is a Durer. Oh. Uh, now look at the parrot that is associated with Adam. He's with Adam on this one. The parrot has been considered a symbol for the Virgin Mary, which doesn't make much sense of Durer's depicting Garden of Eden. Uh, snake is a Hmm. Which is to say that uh, this one Renaissance art page didn't tell me very much, but apparently it's a thing. The parrot. Oh. Wow. Oh man. Now it's now it's less funny. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It might be I... more funny. <laughs> it is like that is one of those things where you're like, oh, like the color blue, of course, is associated with the Virgin Mary. And you're like, like, what do you mean, of course? Like, why? What do you mean? Yeah. Like, what? It, why? <laughs> you uh, made but, that up. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is like funny thinking about like how much of our modern conception of hell is, you know, from the inferno mm-hmm. and just yeah. like, like this was not a religious text originally. Like this is like kind of uh, a shit post about, you know, the, the Guelphs and the Ghibellines. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, huh. I, I was going to, I was, uh, I was going to uh, offer the theory that like the parrot would somehow symbolize some sort of like wild uh, Edenic state at this point, uh, what with oh. the uh, voyages of uh, discovery, uh, like a bird of paradise. And, yeah, yeah. Mm. Just, you know, like anything that's like that colorful coming from like a tropical land where it never gets cold. You know, especially in, in England, if you're like, like, wait, it, like not being cold is an option. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I lived briefly uh, in England after college, and uh, I will say one of the notes I have for a short story that I never wrote was about people crash landing on a planet that was inimical, uh, inim- inimical to human life, but where they just had to sort of like make do in the ruins of the alien civilization. Um, <laughs> if you want to know how I feel about England uh, <laughs> <laughs> as like, I don't know, a place where like, I guess my thought was like, of course, people lived here once, but like, now we have boats. Like, why don't we leave? Uh, but anyway. Grow up, people. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to be cold. Rubens also painted Adam and Eve with a parrot. Oh. Uh, apparently it was popular. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, you do wonder if it was a very local inside joke with the artist at the time. Mm. I mean, this does uh, raise up uh, certain questions about how we receive this text today versus like maybe how Milton uh, thought about it and you know how his contemporaries would have I mean even this first page uh which is like mm. very odd to us has definite precursors and like sort of a, a family tree of like you start your chapter with like a description of like what's going to happen in the chapter right yeah or like the classic you know like Today we read uh, Robinson Crusoe, but Daniel Defoe actually wrote a book titled, and I don't know what the title is, but it's, I assume, very long and kind of goes through. Oh, actually, uh, 
Yeah. I'm just gonna have to look that up. <laughs> uh, Wait, it kind of like spoilers the whole plot in the title? Is it that kind of thing? Yeah, I think the one that I'm uh, especially thinking of is uh, the one that I, of course, can't remember. Uh, um, uh, is it The Life and, Sur- and Strange Surprising Adventures of Robinson Crusoe of York Mariner? Who lived eight and twenty years all alone on the un- in an uninhabited island on the coast of America, near the mouth of the Great River? Oh, I'm not even going to try and say that because I can't really read the text. Having been, I can't even read the rest of this. Is that it? Uh, well, <laughs> actually, the, the the one that I was thinking of was uh, uh, the fortunes and misfortunes of the famous Mall Flanders, etc. Uh, and then it gets kind of small. There's a mention of Newgate, mm-hmm. uh, but like, like that's the the title page, right? Or the yep, you know, like, like there there's a, a a long tradition of just people being like, this is what the book is about. Like, it's interesting. Um, it, it reminds me of a newsprint media, like almost like the lurid headline of a newspaper is getting smaller and smaller, and then you go and you read the story inside. You know. Yep. I mean, I think uh, with. With Defoe, that's definitely not uh, like an accidental comparison. Oh, uh, okay. yeah, uh, you're right because you, it's a fiction, but you're insinuating that it's true. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Was Robinson Crusoe the first the first true novel? I'm trying to recall. I think there's some kind of factoid about that one. Uh, hmm. or, no, that's, that's, that was a Don Quixote, I think. I mean, actually, that that's a yeah. That's a complicated conversation, well, I think. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I usually hear it as the tale of Genji, which predates both of those by a yes, lot. Yes, by quite a lot. Significantly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get you get lots of weird... Uh, uh, yeah, there's, there, there's some weird stuff there. Like, let, yeah. let's stick with something simple, like man's yes, first totally. disobedience and... Uh, yeah. You know, like... The, the, the fruits. The, the other thing this reminded me of, actually, a lot was um, and the abstract from a research paper. Mm-hmm. But you get the little summary of the whole thing first, and you go through and you read it in detail. And and I it made me wonder um, if in the history of research papers, if like these come from a similar tradition of the expectation yeah. that you get a quick summary, and if you care to read more, then you read more. You know. Yeah, like I wonder if there's a connection between like the fact that it's religious writing of this period, and if that sort of branched out into the way that thing, like the way that schooling and mm-hmm. writing was taught, mm-hmm. but. I have no actual knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that people couldn't have been too concerned about spoilers if it's Bible fan fiction anyway. Because mm. at first I was like, man, I wonder why you would, you know, read it when you get like a summary of what you're about to read. And then, you know, but I, it would have been known, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you were literate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way, though, it's also kind of the libretto. It's there so you can understand the the massive chunk of poetry that's about to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. So what jumped out at me, I mean, like you said, I think actually libretto is like a really good and and uh, abstract of just like, okay, like this is what's going to go happen. And like, it does help, uh, especially if you're hearing things and maybe like coming in and out of a, a situation in which you're only hearing parts of it, it might be easier to come in and be like, oh, right, this is where we enumerate the powers of hell. Mm. Uh, okay, like I, I get that part. Um, uh, Let's hit our first line while we're here. Yeah. This first book proposes, first in brief, the whole subject, man's disobedience, and the loss thereupon of paradise wherein he was placed. You mm, wanna... that, 
Then there's a colon. Uh, <laughs> then touches the prime cause of his fall, the serpent, or <clears throat> rather Satan in the serpent, who, revolting from God and drawing to his side many legions of angels, was by the command of God driven out of heaven with all his crew into the great deep. I, I, I do love the word crew there. Like, yeah, I love is, it. Yeah. <laughs> On an exciting sea voyage to hell. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that, uh, the, 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 the meme of uh, uh, meme girls. Uh, like, you know, get in the car, it's Thursday, we're going shopping. It's like, uh, get in the car, we're going to overthrow God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you almost wonder if this is like the one of the earliest examples of that entire trope in fanfic where someone gets really attached to the villain and just writes tons of fanfic about this awesome, mm-hmm. sexy villain. So you've got like the Snape fan fiction and Draco Malfoy is a hot bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> like I get strong vibes of, of that from John Milton right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He is very, he, he is, he does essentially make Satan a protagonist. <laughs> I'm definitely like hail yeah. Satan when I read this. It sounds great. You know, yeah. uh, was that, was that, uh, is that, Gosh, is, is that bacon? I can't remember who. Uh, there, there is something where someone said that like uh, Milton was unconsciously on Satan's side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> unconsciously, uh, I think. I think it's Blake. <laughs> Blake who, who who makes that. That sounds like Blake. Like, yeah. Uh, oh yes. Uh, the reason Milton wrote in fetters when he wrote of angels and God, and at liberty when he wrote of devils and hell, is because he was a true poet and of the devil's party without knowing it. <laughs> uh and like i mean uh again as someone who has uh performed the awake arise or be forever fallen speech like i get that uh there's mm-hmm. a there's a lot more dynamism uh to satan uh you know uh uh one thing sorry Jen, i wasn't sure if you were going to say anything oh, no, else go. about this first line but there's something like very finicky <laughs> about <laughs> how Milton describes things here that like, I kind of, uh, I, I was kind of touched by, uh, and amused by like when, when he says like, you know, the cause of the fall, the serpent, or rather Satan and the serpent, <laughs> um, you know, or, uh, the, the other part that I, I have pointed out is when he says about, um, the, oh yes. Uh, they rise, uh, their numbers, array of battle, their chief leaders named, according to the idols known afterwards in Canaan and the countries <laughs> adjoining. Like, like there's a moment where he's like, you know, like really into, uh, like, like he, he, like he wants people to know that he did his research. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, also, he doesn't want them to like tweet about it later. Yeah. 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 Like, like, don't at me. I know <laughs> that these are the names from over here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then again, the like, uh, you know, where where Satan recounts the prophecy uh, yes. about how or yes, uh, for that angels were long before this visible creation was the opinion of many ancient fathers like. Oh, can we talk about can we talk about the um, the whole idea of an ancient prophecy given before the dawn of time? I kind of love that, like in that before time has started, there's already an ancient prophecy that precedes all this that's ancient by like Satan standards. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was like, I was like, Oh, I'm interested. Tell me more. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, and also like when the palace of Satan rises uh, out of the deep, I'm like, okay, like this is like at least like a ninth level, you know, spell like that's cool. (laughs) You know, like we've got, we've got this ancient prophecy. We've got like, you know, some cool magic. 
uh, it, it is kind of, uh, I don't want to say ruined, but there is something maybe unintentionally funny about like, uh, all of the princes of hell sitting in council. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's some real, real comedy to be mined there that I, I think Milton is going to leave unmined. Uh, I Alas. think actually he's going to mine it a little bit. Okay. Um, cause there's definitely big sections where he talks about the princes of hell. And I think that he definitely gives them some burns on occasion. Yeah. I, I almost wonder when I read this, if, um, my, re- my recollection of the book is that it starts off with, like, as it summarized right here, with a bunch of monologues from God about how, yep, this stuff's going to happen, but we're going to all fix it. It's all going to mm-hmm. be fine. And I already got the solution. I got this. Um, that it's almost like um, John Milton has to give this little disclaimer that he understands that we're supposed to be rooting for God mm-hmm. before we delve into all this really fun. Like, I love this. I, I couldn't help but notice the phrase of like the poem it hastens into the midst of things mm-hmm. after you get done with the God stuff. <laughs> and um, I'm maybe I, I feel very delighted by once again, by how, how much John Milton, even in this little summary, you can tell where his enjoyment is. Yeah. You know, but he, I, I do feel like there's an obligatory hand wave towards, and obviously I, I'm not being a heretic. Mm-hmm. Um but we are going to talk about Satan and it will be rad. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be this cool, guys. Yeah, We're going to yeah. have a palace rising out of the depths. It's going to yeah, be called yeah. Pandemonium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like Satan is this evil tempter and he's got like a really cool leather jacket. And, you know, you're like, like, excuse me, like, why the leather jacket? Like, oh, yeah. that's, that's just what the ancient fathers say. Like, I can't. Mm-hmm. You can just going. hear the ear guitars. Yeah. Like, I mean. Yeah. I mean, like, and Satan drives up, drives, drives up in his uh, airbrushed van with uh, like a dragon on the side. Yes. Yep. Parrot. There should be a parrot on the side. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. Parrot of hell. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think? Sorry, this is perhaps a little tangent, but um, since this page is so unlike what we normally read, uh, although also. If this was a page of poetry, it would also be unlike what we normally read mm. uh, for this podcast. Do you think anything like this uh, could or should make a comeback? You mean just the concept of putting an argument at the beginning of a long text? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like blog post or novel. Just I like. I, I'm just imagining like a novel where it's like this person is racist. Like that is bad. <laughs> 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 Racism is bad. Huh. But I, I've had like I've had to like. He's the villain. Uh, so he's going to be racist, which is bad. Uh, I am not like a, just a big Tumblr explanation beforehand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, all jokes aside, I mean, given gi- yeah, gi- given some of the rise and fall of like you know genre controversies, like, um, and a lot of them stem, I think, from the fact that people like maybe I don't know. I, I don't want to say that that the pe- people don't always practice great criticism. Um, mm-hmm. while at the same time using some of the techniques of criticism to talk about stuff, you know, it, it, it wouldn't hurt. And I could even see it having some advantages. Um, and even more so, this is kind of a funny, another th- funny thing is that I know that I personally would like it as a reader who gets annoyed by authors who can't stick the landing mm. and maybe books that can't stick the landing. So it may, it may be kind of like warm and fuzzy to require like, you know, George R. R. Martin to give us a summary of what's going <laughs> to happen in the last book. So you can decide if you want to commit to reading the entire series and then mm-hmm. just be an expectation that, you know what, buddy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You better give me something. I'm going to take this journey with you. 
I mean, he really does sort of style it as a solid pitch, you know, where he starts with the very broad beginning and then ends with that sort of power chord of pandemonium, the palace of Satan rises. Like he knows where he's ending this argument. Yeah. It is kind of like a pitch, isn't it? Isn't it kind of remind you of like the when you get together a query package and you have to write a summary of what's going to happen, but you got to make it exciting too mm-hmm. yeah. and leave people kind of hungry for the next bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely didn't feel like that it made me not want to read. You know, it didn't feel like that it made me less hungry for the poem that came after. Mm-hmm. Even being very dense and archaic, obviously, in how it's written. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> So do you think that if all books came with this, that it would turn you off from reading some of them? <sighs> I don't know. It's funny because like, uh, I'm not going to say this well, but it feels like uh, while people keep saying that they don't want spoilers, um, different and sometimes, well, while, while, while certain people say they don't want spoilers, other people seem to be going out of their way to like find out what's going to happen in the next uh, Marvel movie let's say Mm. uh and i feel like there's also a little bit of an overlap of like like don't tell me don't spoil it but like let me let me like try to figure out you know where this clue is heading it's like or you could just watch the movie and like not try to you know solve the puzzle uh i do wonder if like you remember a couple years ago there was that study that said like spoilers don't diminish your enjoyment like in Mm -hmm. some cases they could increase enjoyment um, yeah. And I'm sure like we all have experiences where like something was totally shocking and like that shock was a pleasurable uh, experience, but also times when like we knew it was going to happen and like watching it slowly unfold was also a pleasurable experience. Uh, and I'm I'm just wondering like which books would be improved by like, you know, like when you do something like this, you're not telling the reader you're going to be surprised by something, but you are saying like, you're going to be surprised by like how it happens or like yeah. you'll enjoy watching it unfold. Uh, yeah, I see your point. So in other words, like um, you're right, there's a, a big school of thought that the best kind of the, the best way to create conflict and excitement in a novel is to show how, you know, to let the reader know what's going to happen enjoy the experience of watching how the characters are going to deal with it anyway. And, and the, the characters being so compelling that you don't mind that like, you just want to see how they're going to react and how they're going to get through it. So, you know, I, I can see there being a, a place for saying, you know, letting the reader in on like, once again, like, you know, bad boy Satan on his motorcycle, <laughs> hmm. like in other words, like, you know, the, the novelty of his poem is not the plot because, you know, he's uh-huh. doing Bible fanfic. Like, I mean, it's, it's yeah. like, Here's how sexy it can make Satan. Yeah. <laughs> will Will Eve eat the the fruit? You're like, like that. That would be a great like uh, um, uh, Inglorious Bastards style ending, uh, <laughs> where like at the end Eve like shoves the fruit down the serpent's throat, and it's like, and then like we didn't we didn't need uh, you know the sacrifice of Jesus, and we were all we were all we're all in Eden right now. <laughs> uh, sure uh, glad that parrot was there to stop her like, <laughs> <laughs> um but that is uh like i'm also curious because something that we've i think sort of hinted at is that like your writer may not be entirely reliable uh even in the argument mm-hmm. you know like like someone could i mean like Milton is here being like, okay, like this is all the bad things that Satan does. And then we read the book and we're like, actually Satan's kind of awesome. <laughs> like, um, 
you know, like I, I'm just imagining going back to my example of like, like I'm not racist as the author. It's just this character is racist. Um, mm. you know, mm. kind of again, like, uh, like at some point you're like, it's kind of funny how like you're not racist and yet like you really seem to enjoy depicting racism. <laughs> uh, like, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Kind of like once not to pick on George R. R. Martin some more, but you know, just like, um, how much he lovingly enjoys just putting all his female characters in very sexually disempowered situations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But I, I could totally, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be fascinating if authors were made to write this. Cause I, I think you would kind of get a little more of like what the author thinks you should be getting out of something, but you're right that it doesn't necessarily defend against it. Mm. You know, so maybe mm. you would think that you could disarm accusations of racism by saying, yeah, this, this is starring a very racist cop who will be racist a lot, but you know, it's supposed to be ironic. So you almost kind of wonder well, if it doesn't stand on its own so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I actually, I was going to say like that, <laughs> like, I mean, uh, uh, listeners of the future, uh, <laughs> uh, know that at this time period, we are, uh, awash in ironic racism, uh, <laughs> which, uh, just always seems to enact, uh, unironic racism or buttress it, uh, in a way. Um, uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's something about, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe the argument, I don't know. It is not a thing we need to bring back. <laughs> um, but also, sorry, uh, I did just want to mention, uh, ha- have either of you read Angela Carter's, uh, the fall river ax murders? No. Uh, it is a story about Lizzie Borden. Uh, oh. and I think the first or se- second sentence mentions like, like this is the day when she murders her parents. Uh, and like, that is another story where like, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, and that's not what makes the story great. Like what makes a story great is like the, the feeling uh, of being there. Uh, and like, so yeah, I do wonder, I mean, well, actually, let me just put it this way. Do you guys like this book? (laughs) Huh? Yeah. I think it's been so long since I've read it that it's hard to say, but I, I definitely sort of have residual positive feelings towards it. Mm. Like I, I definitely don't dislike it. Like I would probably read it. Like if I were reading this for fun, I would definitely keep going. And I might not read it cover to cover straight through, but I could definitely see it being something I'd want to revisit in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's in my experience a good like if you pick this book up and just like find a random passage and figure out where the sentence starts, which is probably like two pages <laughs> earlier. It's good. Uh, but you probably, there are very few situations in which you're going to want to actually sit down and read the whole thing from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like the rare work of reference fiction. Huh. Although Milton would probably be angry if you called it fiction. <laughs> oh, fascinating. Yeah. That is an interesting, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we all have, uh, books in our lives where like you just flip it open to be like, I'm just going to read a little bit. And then you're like, like you read a little more and then you read a little more and you're like, you know what, let me just start at the beginning to remember like what this part was. And then suddenly you're reading the book again. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think this, you're right. Like having read the argument, I'm interested to read the first page and then I'll flip f- forward a few pages to find the, uh, uh awake or rise or be forever fallen, uh, speech, uh, and then I don't know, like, like, you know, what's going to happen. There's some parts that are, uh, I want to say beautiful. It's not a word we mm-hmm. use a lot, <laughs> uh, uh, on this podcast, but 
Yeah. I mean, I suppose epic poetry in general, um, I can't think that even John Milton himself, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if the intention is ever that you sit, sit down and read it from cover to cover in one sitting. That I'm sure, like, when I think about the history of epic poetry, that, you know, it's supposed to be more of a communal experience and it's supposed to be more like you part, like, you know, you think of those cold winter nights when you can't do anything because you don't, you don't have a light bulb. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. someone's going to sit there and read by candlelight so everyone can sit there and enjoy it while maybe someone's doing their, so their mending just to kind of pass the time little by little. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, we're back to the lake house. We're yes. So now with lake house, it is raining zombies and we can't go out because that's a problem. Uh, I was going to say, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Listeners, maybe every we night had this conversation this. like 10 episodes ago. You might remember it. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, yeah. the, the lake house where it's raining zombies and yes. <laughs> the hypothetical. Yeah. Should have said those words in the right order. The hypothetical lake house of raining zombies hmm. <laughs> where this book well, is sitting for your entertainment. So in this scenario, we have company. Uh, I was going to say the hypothetical, <laughs> hypothetical lake house of raining zombies. Uh, <laughs> like, like, Rachel, we're not here to to, to brainstorm short story titles for you. This is, this is a diff, that's a different yes. podcast. Uh, of course. It's mine. Don't add, touch it. Add, add it, add to that list. The, uh, the, the, the idea of the, 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 the floral monsters from, from last episode uh, <laughs> months ago for the listener. Uh, yeah. Uh. Um, uh, I, if I recall correctly, it's once again, it's been a long time since I remember staying this poem I believe at the time John Milton wrote this, it, it was pretty remarkable for being an epic poem because we, he was well past the era when this would have been a genre that anyone was writing in. And it, it is like kind of, I think, purposely retro, even at the time he wrote it. I, I could be making that up. So everyone take that with a giant grain of salt. That does also sound a lot like John Milton, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so much of this is about him like a asserting that he's going to be very true to canon and then at the same time be like doing everything exactly his way the way he wants it <laughs> and then see asserting that those things should be the same in everyone else's eyes yeah i was just i was gonna ask the question of like why why write this uh and i, I remember like he has a line in the the book itself about like justifying the ways of god to men mm-hmm. uh which is a nice like like, like, mm. look, I'm not a prophet. I'm just like explaining how things are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to, uh, fall back on certain, uh, cliches about people in the past who had less things to do with their time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, there's a sense of just like, like, I wonder like, uh, you know, uh, so his daughters put him in the corner uh, while they're, they're doing their mending. Mm. And then he's like, okay, like here's chapter three. And they're like, yeah, sure. You know, whatever. And then like, at some point someone was like, actually, wait, this is pretty good. Mm. Oh, interesting. You know, uh, although honestly, yeah, I uh, pro- probably, it was more like, uh, you know, like they're doing their mending and he thinks they're writing. And then he's like, okay, read that back to me. And then they're like, oh, oh no. <laughs> um, you know, and that that's where the argument was born when like mm. he's like, OK, like this is what the first chapter is. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's what it was. We it's have more it for his transcriber's sake, like just to help them all keep it together and yeah. himself keep. And it's funny you say that. So, like, I've, I've been in the process of you know, learning how to write novels of the last couple of years from, after having been a short story author for for years and years and years. And I, I found that one of the hardest parts about it is just holding the whole thing in your head because you can't like, you know, 
you can't hold the whole thing in your head. So you start mm-hmm. doing things like, yeah, you're right. Writing a scene summary and having much note cards, of scene summaries, and then writing like a summary of the entire leg. And you kind of like have summaries and summaries and summaries. And then you've got like just lists on lists and lists until you can break things down to a point where you can actually write the next scene because, you know, you, um, you found a way to organize the information where you can actually hold it all in your head and proceed with the story and make it all make sense. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think as an organizational technique, I really appreciate this. And, and it's funny that now you're saying about John Milton and how he came to write this. I, I keep thinking about this last year of quarantine and like um, I wrote a quarantine novel and um, my experience of writing it was very much like um, every day I would wake up, um, like especially like last summer and the world was sort of figuratively on fire and also met- like literally on fire here in Oregon where we had a giant forest fire for, that went on for weeks and it was awful and you couldn't breathe the air. And then like we had the U S election looming and no one knew if you're going to all just die of this strange disease. And I remember like really consciously thinking I can either think about the world or I can plant my brain in this novel mm-hmm. in this little, little world where I can fidget with things and control things and have fun. And I, I, I kind of see that sort of level of obsession with John Milton right here. Cause I believe he'd written, he was a notable poet before he wrote this. Yep. And that, you know, I can see him falling into like his little creative writing project where you just obsess over it for all this time and you fidget with it because you have so much fun with just the, the artistry and the craft of like putting it all together, um, which is getting pretty far away from this page. But yes, I, I agree with, I think, Ben, you said that this is like his, an organizational document or maybe it was Ben. I apologize for not attributing that to whoever said it, but I, I love the idea of this, the, the argument as a way to help keep himself organized while he's so, you know, his daughter's so by the fire and he, you know, finds this way to get outside his own brain to something bigger, you know? Mm. I'm also now imagining, uh, like his daughter's doing the thing where you like color code, uh, an index card (laughs) according to like what character shows up and they put it up all all on the wall and it's just like Satan, 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 Satan. And there's like, there's like a little card that's like God and then Satan, 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 Satan. But of course, yes. John, John Milton, you know, cannot use that visual representation of his novel uh, yeah. or his, his work to, to recognize uh, how, how far uh, he's gone over to say inside. Mm. Um, but hmm. how much do you think his daughters helped him? <laughs> like, mm. you, may, I wonder how much co-author credit they deserve considering this undertaking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that uh, I mean, that is a, not a, a question that we have asked about. Uh, most of the books um yeah <laughs> but like this book you know foregrounds that question a bit but like also probably could have asked that about uh the book you were here uh previously to discuss i i can't remember yes. what that book was uh i believe that was a zork book i, I can't remember yeah yeah, yeah uh, i think that was it um, yeah the... but uh that was months ago i can't remember but um <laughs> uh like like how much information like again like he's it's it's kind of funny that we're reading this Bible fan fiction, uh, mm. whereas the last book you were here to discuss was the expansion <laughs> of a like another like previously existing IP. So it's just like it's people who are like, hey, like I really like this thing, but I want to like fill in the spaces or like yeah. <laughs> expand on this world a little bit. Uh, just go play in that sandbox for a little more time because you know, right? Interesting. Which uh, of course brings up the question, uh, which. Uh, which religious text would you want to expand <gasps> on? And <laughs> Whoa. Oh, I love this question. Oh, I, was, I, I meant that as a joke, but <laughs> as sometimes happens, my jokes go awry. By... I, 
I have a hypothetical for you, um, and unless someone wants to answer their their religious text fanfic, <laughs> go for it. Oh, my my hypothetical is: What's your desert island epic poem? What's the one that you want to be stranded with, so that you can read to yourself by the fire as you wait for the the rescue to come? Ooh. And assuming that you can get a good translation of whatever it is that you want, can I get uh, a copy of uh, the Divine Comedy that has uh, facing uh, Italian English? Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Because because then I could use the time to like learn Italian, right? <laughs> like oh, learn true. like ancient Italian, <laughs> like mm-hmm. medieval Italian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like it'd be amazing. I mean, it, it is also curious, just like thinking about like like oh like which of these epic poems would I like to bring along? And it's like I I know of like six epic poems. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like name them. Go. Well, I mean, so, so you see, lost. You've got your wait. What was that? <laughs> We, you have to list this. You have Paradise Lost. What okay. else do you have? Uh, Divine Comedy. <laughs> okay. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Odyssey. Odyssey. Uh, the Iliad. Iliad. Uh, the Aeneid. Aeneid. Okay. Feels like cheating, uh, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, like the Beowulf, I guess. I would count Beowulf. Mm-hmm. It's a poem. Yep. Um, Fairy Queen. Fairy Queen. Uh, and uh, maybe that's it. That's what great. I, what, yeah. What did I get? Seven? Seven. That's good. Yeah. Gilgamesh? Pretty good. Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh is a po- yeah, it's an epic poem. Um, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight actually is probably my call because it's fucking oh, weird. It's, oh, it's I love that one. <laughs> Do you have a favorite translation? I don't. <laughs> I probably should develop one. It's a beautiful poem, and like I, I have a tradition of reading that every year um, in the winter because um, mm. it's very atmospheric. It just, yeah. yeah, that it's one's a Christmas strange. Poem. It is it's a Christmas poem. <laughs> yeah, got Christmas beheading games. Yeah. Tradition. And the uh, movie by the comes way, do you know there's like a movie coming week. out? Yeah. Yes. Oh, so excited. Okay. <laughs> or in the context of this episode, there's mm-hmm. a movie coming out roughly six months ago. Oh, the old one? Yeah. Well, if yeah. you ever want to have me back on to discuss Sir Gawain on the Green Knight first page. Mm. Um <laughs> That is on our list. <gasps> it is. is it? Yeah. Oh, maybe That's that'll my, be our Christmas be my... episode this year. Yes. <laughs> get our beheading games on mm. oh, wait what about what about the uh what about the sagas oh the sagas yeah. like um like, like Njal's saga or uh i don't remember any others uh aren't there like the the norse sagas yeah you get ring of the nibelungs that's not a poem but you know yeah like whatever that's based on <laughs> um yeah i don't know i don't know again like it, there's uh probably more than three long narrative poems in the world uh yeah mm. but You've only, you've only, since you only have those seven to pick from, I guess, you know, it's a pretty short list. But you can only take one with you. The problem with Sir Garwin is it's so short. Mm. Like, it's great. It's probably, I think, one of the most readable ones in that entire list, quite mm. frankly. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> but, um, I, did you, yeah. I mean, we, we are uh, coming up on time and uh, woefully uh, outside our remit for this episode. Oh. But <laughs> have you read, have you read um, uh, Maria uh, Devana Headley's uh, Beowulf translation? I have no. not, and I would love to. Uh, yeah, I've not read that one yet. Th- this is the one that, like, a few months ago, uh, or a year ago, again, time has no meaning, and <laughs> uh, listener, you were probably listening to this uh, in the future. Uh, it, that is the one that, uh, a few months ago, it went around that her first line uh, was... Mm. So, the, you know, the, the first line of Beowulf is uh, this sort of untranslatable, oh, wait. What? Or something, Pat. which means, yep. like, <laughs> again, also, I love the, like, it's like, 
like okay we 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 all know it we don't know how to say it but like no <laughs> um but like so the 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 translation of it uh is something like hark or like that pay that, attention that's the way i'm starting the poem now <laughs> yeah uh and so uh, uh headley's version starts with bro <laughs> you know as, as I love the it. as the like attention get and it's bro. it's like so readable and like uh like I don't know. I just I I really dug it, and also her introduction and her her, her introductory essay on it I, I thought was really enlightening. Uh, but yeah, that's that, that's all I have to say about that. Um, getting, getting a poet to do a translation of a of a poem is brilliant, you know. Because yeah. I think a lot of times they're done by translators or scholars, but don't necessarily have the ear for the actual poetry of the thing. Yeah. Hmm. Well, on that note, uh, well, yeah, I think yep. I, I think we've covered any final thoughts. But uh, any final thoughts? Any other final thoughts? <laughs> More final? Maybe not none. Any that will take less than an hour to discuss, right? <laughs> uh, just that I enjoy the way that uh, Milton describes Satan waking up and then essentially like nudging his next guy, You're like, "Hey, yeah. we're in hell." And then, like, sort of, like, just gradually waking up the rest of the guys. Yeah. Like, dude, dude, what happened last night? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <I do. laughs> like, Milton is not without a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> Cause a little pandemonium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do like that there's, like, uh, again, there's that weird, like, uh, finickiness. Uh, uh. Uh, after uh, when he wakes up and it's after a certain space recovers as from confusion mm-hmm. it's like why can't like i don't know like i i wonder if that's well okay yeah you wonder if be... confusion was like a quote-unquote medical term at that point <laughs> <laughs> or just like you know if there there are certain things where he's like look this is a serious topic i'm not just gonna like make stuff up i don't know mm-hmm. if he was really confused but like he was kind of like he was acting like that you know? yeah uh yes I don't know. There's something, there's something very finicky about this, and I, 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 I do want to see the comedy version. Hmm. Just like the, the straight up, like 100, like, like Satan trying to like wrangle uh, a bunch of people on the board to be like, okay, like, what are we going to do about God now? Yeah, it's like we have to get back to heaven. Like that's where we get total penetration. Like this is yes. Uh, this partial penetration thing is just kind of a drag. It's just you know. <laughs> Like we 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 have our our hellish R and D department on it, and they've only gotten seventy five percent of the way. It's, it's really, <laughs> sorry. This is we'll have we'll have to release this episode with an after dark label. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that was a blast. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, where well, can people find you and your work online? Yeah, find me on Twitter at Rachel K. Jones. And from there, you can find a link to my webpage um, where you can find some of my short stories um, that I I don't know what the, the penetration content on that, that I'm, uh, all my stories are, but I'm, I'm sure it's short of full penetration. So I apologize for that. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd love for you to come over to Twitter and give me a follow and um, talk more about, I guess, epic poems. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Dark and Stormy Nights. I've been your host, Finn LeBate, 
And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Reciprocity. You can find the games that I write at mrreciprocity.itch.io. And you can find my other podcast, The Chimera, at thechimera.space or on Twitter at ChimeraPod or on your podcast app of choice. And I've been your other host, Ben Blattberg. You can find me on Twitter at InCatastrophe. For show updates, follow Dark Knights Reads on Twitter or visit darknightsreads.com, and we'll meet you back here next week, weather permitting.